To the Noid Culture Podcast, your, your one-stop shop for all things noise. I'm Alan. Hello, you lovely people out there. Uh, joining us today, uh, as always, is Lady Roxy, Countess of Edge. Hi, everyone. I'm here today to service all of your goriest needs. And uh, and and someone someone else, Drew Boxical. Hi, yeah, I am Drew Boxical. That's true. Uh, so, so does anyone have any have anything new this week they'd like to share with uh, with our listeners? Um, well, it's not that I want to share this, Alan, but I feel like it should be mentioned because I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen now uh, on the social media. Um, Liliette has uh, <gasps> made her feelings known about things that I might have said. So this is Liliette Bluebell, the, uh, the is rival crime blogger the right word? Uh, well, you know, I've never really considered her a rival because uh, I didn't think that we were anywhere really near on a par. But you could term it that, especially after what she's said. And, and she has won an award for, was it edgiest blog? She won a very small bloggers award at a virtual blogging uh, convention, which is not, you know, that's not really a thing. For for those of us who are not allowed to go anywhere near social media for fear of death, uh, ex- explain explain what uh, what this that Liliette lady has said. Um, well, she said quite a few things, Alan. So uh, I, I think some of the things that she's saying is. Uh, Lady Roxy, Countess of Edge, isn't even uh, a real lady. Uh, that was a, a bought title to make her sound uh, like edgy vampire royalty, uh, when in fact she's just from a nice middle-class suburb. And I, Liliette, am an actual lady, um, which I thought was a bit harsh. Yeah, I mean, especially if she uh, doesn't even use the title. She just goes around calling herself Liliette Bluebell without... How would we? How would we to know? that she's a daughter of a baronet. That is really edgy. Well, yes. I mean, obviously, uh, being the daughter of a baronet, uh, she can pay her way to a lot of these things. Yeah, and I um, suppose the gingham was a giveaway, if anything was, to a, to a noble bearing. Yes. Um, she did she... also save the Queen's life. Oh, yeah. By yeah. using the sharpened edge of a tea tray. I mean, that literally, physically is edgy, isn't it? Hmm. Yes, but <laughs> no, Gingham always makes me feel that way. Yeah, still, still. Sorry, Roxy, you were saying. Um, if I'd have ever, if I'd ever been near the Queen, which I haven't, uh, because I'm edgy and I'm not really like into royalty and stuff like that. But if I'd ever been there, I could have also saved the Queen with something that was sharp too. Yeah, no, you, you do that. 
you once gave me quite an aggressive paper cut with uh, the edge of your Snoopy book. Uh, yeah, no, that was, it, it wasn't Snoopy. It's um, it's like they do like this range where they like make them. They're like they look like cartoon characters, but they're goths. So actually, it's, right. it's really quite edgy. Gothic Snoopy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I the yeah. eyeliner. Yeah, I, I'd forgotten the eyeliner bit. Just mostly, I yeah, remember I mean, the paper cut. I think it's because so, I, yeah. I got gangrene from that. I think I probably wouldn't have remembered it otherwise. I might have remembered the Snoopy bit. But exactly, like I mean, how how often has has Lady Liliette ever given a colleague gangrene? That is possibly one of the edgiest things I've ever done. Oh, I think she get, once gave gangrene to one of her servants. She beat in the leg with a golf club. Yeah, but I don't have a golf club or a servant. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's stupid, Liliette. I mean, and not that I want to cause offence to anybody. And I have every respect for Liliette as a fellow professional, as does Bow Wow Wow. The dog food company that respects anybody from the Baronetsy. Well, um, a tattoo's a stick-ons. And, and on that note, let's get on with the show. On to do. Alan will be speaking via a secure medium to a very special anonymous guest. And will also review the latest range of pop plastics. In the fondly missed 1970s, there was a DDP series called Flight of the Cyclops. Their classic sets, the uh, sometimes shaky acting. But do we remember the mosquitoes that infested the set for most of the run? They caused some incredible outtakes before they were incorporated into the series. And here are the top 10 outtakes caused by the mosquito infestation on Flight of the Cyclops. Number 1. Barry the Berserker saying tits. He was stung on the eye. Number 2. The infamous horse throw. You can see here a Zorko the warrior man riding up on horseback, but it looks like, to a keen eye, a mosquito may have bitten the horse causing him to throw a Zorko to the ground. He broke his hip. Number 3. Famed cult actress Val Kitchenette appeared on set to do a one-off role as Zazorzo the space sorceress. However, nobody expected Zazorzo's ad-lib line to be, get the f- me, you little biting <laughs> Number four, the spaceship crash. The spaceship that landed in the mystical valley of bum 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 should have gone straight past this grove of trees. However, the driver was bitten on the arse by a mosquito, causing him to swerve and crash. Number five, the child riot. There were a number of extras hired from the local population of Tenerife who barely understood the English language or particularly the curse words of the directorial team. They were difficult enough to manage on the day, but the swarms of mosquitoes that attacked them caused an actual riot. The footage was left in. Number 6. Prince Patrick's elephantiasis of the leg. Prince Patrick was supposed to have at least one normal sized leg, ideally two, but a terrible mosquito bite changed everything. They couldn't leave it in, so they just made him wear a large and puffed skirt. Number 7. Child star Keith Chignall visited the set to play the character of a space prince from beyond the future. 
it was while filming a clifftop scene that he was bitten by a mosquito causing him to plummet off a clifftop and to his untimely death. Number 8. The Collision of Cameras See here the moment two cameramen came a bit too close while distracted by the blinding showers of mosquitoes that were trying to devour their eyes. Whoops! Number 9. The director storming in front of the cameras, swearing at everybody and demanding that they leave this appalling hellhole. I am a professional you. director. This is And number 10. The director returning later with a rifle to shoot various members of the crew and cast as revenge for ruining his life. And those are the top 10 outtakes caused by mosquito infestation on flight to the Cyclops. Hello everyone, it's Alan here, um, interviewing uh, someone very special, uh, a writer from from the Big D, who who wishes to name nameless. So, uh, without further ado, here's here's the interview. The interview. Anonymous Big D escapee. Uh, hello there. Uh, I I don't know your name. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering, but why you wish to remain nameless? That's, 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 that's the start. That's, the, that's my opening question. Okay. Well, there's been some very serious developments at the Big D recently, and and my escape was a lucky one. And I'd rather them not track me down at all. Uh, no one wants to escape from the Big D. That's, it's the happiest place on earth. That's, that's what, that's what many, many people say. Uh. Why did you need to escape the happiest place on earth? Are, are you a are you a sad person? I, I I consider myself a mediocrely sad person, uh, but there were several reasons for my escape, including a terrible uh, optical care plan. Oh, oh well, well perhaps you'd like to shed light on some of the projects you worked on at your time in the Big D. I'm sure you've got a lot of interesting stories. Well, there's there were I, I primarily worked on the uh, music and lyric side of things, but because of the uh, the, the recent changes in staffing protocol, only ten percent of lyrics were allowed to be written by humans instead of uh, robots and computers. So I only really contributed a small amount to any given project. Wow! So you work with robots and computers? I, I'm sure you've got you've got plenty of plenty of fun fun stories uh, for our for our listeners. Uh, in regards to what what the computers and robots are like, uh, uh, would you would you like to share uh, share a few with us? Uh, yes, yeah, I have. There's there's one <laughs> really really funny story. Um, a, a colleague of mine had had written um, more than the required amount of jokes, and and as a consequence, was immediately terminated. <laughs> we laugh. Terminated. Now, now that's 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 a funny word. So so it sounds very fun. Sounds very fun. Uh, so when working with robots, what do you find is the best is the best work life balance with them? Well, robots are able to work twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and are slowly replacing everyone. Uh, and now that they can uh, be creative, now that robots have the ability to be creative, there really isn't much left for for lyricists or writers like me. Uh, so really, it's it's just about finding time to drink with them, uh, by which I mean uh, subtly sabotaging them by pouring alcohol into their systems so that we can keep working. Uh, but that stopped working once they alcohol-proofed the robots. Wow, that's interesting. I, I didn't know any robots worked at the at the Big D. 
Uh, but now, now we do. So, how, how did you get? Uh, how did you get started in in the writing process for the Big D? Oh well, that's a really fun question. Um, I was uh, uh, taken um, f- by. Uh, not robots at the time. They were still employing humans to do their kidnappings at the time. Uh, so I was brought to their headquarters and sat in isolation uh, and was asked to write for them. Uh, I didn't know what I was writing, but uh, after a few uh, disciplinary measures, I soon figured out what the kind of thing they wanted was. And it tended to be quite romantic stuff, really. They wanted really like marketable, uh, sweet things. Uh, often inspired by um, other things, uh, there's not really much originality. Well, well, I, I've got I've got word here that you you worked on uh, you worked on the the icicle project. Uh, how was that? It was a lot of fun. Um, the the ten percent that I was allowed to commit to the project was truly delightful. Um, I, I I of course wrote the song uh, "Please Give Up." Um, which was my major contribution to the project. You've done plenty of the music for the for the Big D films. Uh, what's your favourite song from from the Icicles movie? There's songs that I know as 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 me, as someone remaining anonymous, and there are songs that you should know as well, Alan. Oh yeah, big big famous big famous musical numbers, things like um, for, from from the Icicle film. Um, gosh, there's a, a Lust is an open grate. There's And, and things like that really um, exemplify the the robot contribution to those projects. I think I really like that song from from the Icicles movie. Um, I, I especially like like the sing along uh, version where where the little uh, where the little mouse's head bounces on the word. <laughs> so so how long have you been away from the Big D? Oh, I've, I've been on the run for uh, about a month now, and it's going rather well, um, but I got tired of not having any public um, sort of following, so I've decided to do this. And and, and grateful we are for, for your time. Uh, so, with, 
with the fire caused at the Big D land, um, how how would how would you say you were responsible for the deaths of of, of many many children? Well, it's it's more the robots than me. Although I guess I when you are making those decisions, um, you, you can't always blame the robots, and it will weigh on my conscience for an awful long time. Uh, but it also helped inspire a few musical numbers. So, you know, pros and cons. Reviews. Okay, guys, we have something really exciting to review here. Uh, Noid Culture. So, I know a lot of you Noids will be big fans, as I am, of those little collectible toys, pop plastics. They got big eyes, they got round heads, and look weirdly similar to Alan at the moment. Uh, these little cherishable toys cost upwards of £10 and uh, can decorate your homes with uh, some of your best loved characters from Wowzers, from uh, AC, from uh, the Xenomorph series. Any character you can think of, it's rendered in pop plastic. Um, so we've got the latest series uh, out now and, and we're, we're looking at them in front of us. So we've got, I think, 12 figures. Uh, these are the, the very latest characters to be rendered in the, the distinctive pop plastic style. What, were you, what, what, what are your first thoughts on them, uh, Roxy and Alan? Um, I mean, I've always been a big collector, so I love all of these things when they come out. Uh, and you get to get the full set and you get to keep them in the mint condition packaging so I mean I was sold straight away and then I saw how they'd done uh, Princess Bloodthust and you know it's exactly as I originally pictured her yeah she's got all the she's got um, all the characteristic Princess Bloodthust characteristics she's got clothes uh, tick hair tick and as much as these little characters look a bit like the faceless child but with uh, elephantiasis of the head she also has eyes so you know tick 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 right down the line clothes hair eyes just like princess bloodthust yeah i mean she's one of my favorite characters made in my favorite medium which is plastic I, they, yeah i was really impressed yeah uh, plastic is durable it's wipe clean Nothing you can say really to its detriment, to my mind. Alan, how how did you find these characters? Well, well, I got I got given the one modelled after after me. Uh, it it's talk, I put it on my I put it on, on my bedside table and it and it started speaking. Um, it 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 kept on telling me horrible things about my mum. Now, now, I. I really enjoy having it though. I I was sold immediately. I was the first one off the shelf at the comic book store where I bought it. And what what was that? Ah! Ah! Right, well that is absolutely adorable. It's great to see you're such a fan, Alan. It's not just us. Uh, oldies into the collectibles. It's good to see young people with a, a real look of it's hard to describe what that feeling is uh, being expressed on Alan's old lady face. Uh, um, I think it's, it's, it looks like excitement. Yeah, Feel... or affection. Yeah. A anguish? No, anguish isn't the right word. Um, confusion? Sort of disgust. It's telling me to sleep. 
Maybe, maybe, oh, He's is, telling me I need to rest. Yeah, you're tired. That's the emotion we can see. You look tired, Alan. You look tired. That's what the pups are telling me. Aren't you pups? <laughs> it looks just like me, look. Alan. It does, yeah. Alan, lie down. Where is my face going? Alan, Where? lie down. The pups command it. Lie down, Alan. The pups command it. The pops command you rest! <laughs> so, marks out of five, everybody. What do you think? Uh, Roxy? Um, well, like I say, I am a big collector. I was really excited for these to come out. Um, probably uh, they might lose a point for the incident. Uh, so I'd say a solid four out of five. Yeah, and Alan, you're um, you are lying down now, which is good that you followed their commands. Um, you seem to be struggling for breath. Can you can you give us a score? I think his eyes are telling me four out of five, um, which is which is interesting because I I concur. I'd say these pop plastics are absolutely majestic, um, and they command us. They command us with their giant eyes to do their will by them, people, and join us. That's four out of five from everyone. I've I've been given a few questions by our listeners. Um, it's uh, the first. The first one is from uh, is from from Mr. D. Uh, where where is your location? Oh, oh, what a fun question! Thank you for the question, Mr. D. Um, now, my my suspicion is that Mr. D is is uh, a secret uh, sort of code name for someone working for the Big D. Do you notice how D and D are rather similar? Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. not going to reveal my location on this broadcast because that would endanger me. Right. Well, um, it's it's funny that we've been putting a tracking location on tracking locator on you since the beginning of this interview, as I was ordered to. Um, the the next question is um, uh, the next question is is from is from Mrs D, uh, and that is, um, did you think you would get away with this? Again, I, I, what a wonderful question from your listeners. Um, I, I would like to, to point out, again, Mrs. D sounds a lot like the Big D because D and D are very, very similar surnames. Um, I I thought I'd have managed to get away, but upon reflection, it seems that a month is, you know, pretty good going and my termination is impending. Uh, uh, right. Uh uh, the the next question is um uh from from just from just D um and that is do you know there's a SWAT team outside your house right now? Huh? I did think that was a tad suspicious. Yes, I thought they were bird watchers. Um, but upon reflection, those are guns. I guess I guess we'll see if they're here for me, or for my deeply suspicious downstairs neighbour. Oh, oh, Mr. D, Mr. D's written in again. He's going. Yes, yes, they are for you. Uh, the neighbour will be next. Um, and uh, and 
And did and uh, did you think you could get away with it? Uh, again, again, the, the yeah, question. Yeah, these are very uh, sort of um, intense, que- an intense line of questioning from from the the D family. Um, I, I will say though, I I have uh, you know been contributing and and brainstorming while I've been in my uh, escaped isolation. Um, you know, I, I could definitely bring something back to the company uh, with my newfound um, free freedom. Um, it, it reminds me of the story of Cabbage, the, the girl trapped in a well uh, who became free and then was not free again. I could definitely retell that story now in, a, in an interesting way. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they would. Uh, now, uh, now we move back on to, on to the questions that I've got and uh, and I'm, I'm guessing all our, our listeners are wondering uh, if you have any spoilers for Icicles 2 oh Icicles 2 um, well in Icicles 2 I, th- I think the last planning meeting I was at the pitch was that everyone was going to die um, in, in like really gruesome ways um, sometimes the computers suggest those sorts of things um and it's hard to tell whether it's about the characters in the story or about the human race at large, but um, we have a laugh. Will Princess Shania die as well? Oh, the the way that they described Princess Shania's death was um, akin to being hung, drawn and quartered, uh, but with predominantly by uh, haunted snowmen. Uh, oh, good lord. Um, so... so- so I can I can see from from our extensive notes here uh, and background background checks uh, that you also that you also worked on um, on long hair girl. Yes, long hair long hair girl. Yes, long hair girl was a, a bit of a passion project for me um, because it was um, uh, you know injected into my system to be passionate about it by uh, a chemical agent from a robot. Uh, it was uh, a really great, great story. There were some really wonderful songs in it. Um, of course, I, I only wrote one of the songs in it because the other nine were written by robots. But I, ha- I had a lot of pride in that project. Um, I guess the only issue with with Long Hair Girl is is that, of course, at the end everyone died, which you know wasn't the original intention. But no one was able to see the final edit, and I mean, obviously the robots are in charge in that, so. It's just canon now, I guess. My ending would have been different. I think only half of them should have died. Uh, how how would how would you have ended it? How how would you have? Oh, I mean, I probably would have ended it on a nice cadence, because um, they tend to be quite satisfying at the end of a song. Um, I think it was a bold decision not to end with a song when they released it. Um, but I do admire it for all those listening out there who may be members of the Big D. I, I do admire the decision. The Top Ten. We all love them. They're our furry chums. Uh, but when they've starred in films, they've won us over once again. This is the Top Ten Most Realistic Portrayals of Humans by Canine Actors. Number one. Titanic. We all remember the scene where James and Rosie are on the top of the boat, the Titanic. But this time, it's dogs! 
number two. Dinosaur world. It's funny seeing all those dinosaurs with all those dogs, isn't it? Number three. Shadow Hopper. Into the dark times. It's funny watching Shadow Hopper dangle enemies off the top of buildings. It's even funnier when a dog does it. Number three. Casablanca. Try it again, Patrick. Oh wait, you're a dog. Number five. Space Fights. Episode six. Days are coming. It's funny because Captain John Hammer has a dog companion anyway, so it's even weirder when he's also a dog. Number six. Pulp Fiction. When Mia Wallace and Lou Vega enter a dog training competition, and they win. Number seven, the Terminizer. The Terminizer is terrifying, but he's so adorable when he's a dog. Number eight, V for Revenge. We, we never see Revenge's face because of his mask, but now we do, and it's a dog face. Transformicons, the movie. All those trucks and cars, they just now transform into dogs. Isn't that cute? And number 10, Poppy and Rex, the movie. Now these characters are usually played by dogs, but this time it's dogs impersonating humans impersonating dogs. Isn't that cute? Big D All right, so um, you, you, met, you mentioned how you got into the uh, into the into the Big D. Um, what's what's your favorite Big D movie that you've ever, ever worked on? Oh, oh, what a what a wonderful question. Um, it's it's strange because every ten years they wipe your mind of all your previous projects. Um, so I, I, I remember um, bits of them. I very vaguely remember the story of a, a mouse, um, a very small mouse um, who was, I think, an anarcho-socialist. Um, but I cannot remember anything beyond that. But I do remember enjoying that project about an anarcho-socialist mouse. I, I, am, I remember that film. Uh, yeah, it was called Tears in the Rain. A, a mouse story. Ah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't remember, but that sounds plausible. Tears in the Rain, a mouse story. Of the Mouse Story series. Yes. Yeah. We did four mouse stories. Uh, are you all right? It looks it looks like your eyes are bleeding. Oh, uh, slightly. I think remembering the Mouse Story series has deeply affected me, and maybe I've been cursed as well as infected with robotic nano uh, monsters. Don't worry about it. That that stuff happens to me all the time, but that's 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 not for this interview. Um, um, I've got another question uh, from the Big D. Uh, how have uh, how have you been finding exile and being a fugitive? Um. Well. Well. I'm not technically a fugitive yet uh, because the Big D are not a government yet and cannot actually make me a fugitive yet. Um. Right now, I'm I'm uh, technically just a felon on the run. I'm on the lam, and 
uh, apparently not for very long because I can hear guns cocking outside. Well, I, I guess we've got to hurry hurry this interview up. Uh, what what's it like in the big D jail? Um, it's less of a jail, really. Like when you picture a jail, you sort of picture bars, uh, like you know the big metal bars. Um, but the big D jails are more sort of spikes. It's just a, a room with spikes on the floor and walls and ceiling. So anywhere you move are spikes. Um, and then they take you out and put you in a different room when they want you to work. And that's got slightly smaller spikes. Uh, would would you would you describe it as it has been described before as the happiest jail on earth? Um, I mean, I guess I haven't been to any other jails, so I'd have to say yes. It is possibly the happiest jail on earth. Cool. Well, that's that's all we've got time for in this interview. Uh, as I can see, as I can see, SWAT people uh, arriving at your apartment. Um, I'm just yeah. I'm I'm getting red lights in my eyes. Oh, that's that's not the blood. Okay. Well, I I guess I guess we've got to end this interview now. Um, the thank uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, let us go. Um, no, no, no. That's my uh, that's my name. That's my real name. They'll definitely kill me now. Well, well, that's that's what we have on our record. Alan, this is uh, all your fault. And I, I've I've got a, I've got another message here from uh, from Mr. D, and that is you can't escape the big D. Um, that's just uh, it's just something to leave leave the show on. My death um, is on your hands, so, Alan. Let this so weigh on your you. conscience. I I've got I've got many deaths on my hands. Um, but but I I just learned to live with it. So thank you, uh, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll see you again soon. I'm doomed. So that's it. That's the whole show. Uh, you've listened to another complete show, and I hope we've given you what you deserved. Uh, remember to follow us online, and also to give your devout praises to Bow Wow Wow, as well as any unrendered horse meat you have lying around the house. I'm sure you've got some. We all do no shame in it but straight on to bow wow wow um i've been drew boxicle i've been roxy and i've been alan goodbye bye goodbye void culture podcast is presented by lady roxy countess of edge alan and drew boxicle key research was by nikki hindmark Tom McGrath and Spleeny Dotson. Let us go secret identity was protected by Tommy Bryson. Original music was by Maurice Youngblaze Clopton and Tedious Fanboy. Additional research was from Marty Presley and Emily Howes Long. The Noise Culture Podcast is owned mind, body, and soul by Bow Wow Wow Incorporated. It was produced by the Mechanical Pig.